Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Carbide Content. I'm one of your hosts, John with Triaxis. I am Dalen from MachineWise. I'm David from Contraption Collection. And I am Grant from Fellowship Blades. Fabulous. How have your guys' weeks been going? I think I went first last week, so I'll let one of you guys go. Okay, I'll kick it off then. There you go. Let's see. Um, the weeks this week has been interesting, um, bad and good. I I have a saying. It's a uh, complacency breeds failure, mm. and I fell into that trap myself, which is really disappointing. Uh, I had to scrap out 60, 60 prismas. Just a couple. Oh yeah, Just I saw that. Yeah, the entire batch. Um, because I was complacent and forgot to check a tool for wear. Right. Oh, like as okay. simple as that, basically. Um, so that was an unfortunate, not learning experience, but uh, like relearning experience, because this is something that I, I should not be making that mistake. What part of the the actual knives? Yeah, so it's um, it's a little three thirty second end mill that I use to finish the Zen pin holes and the pivot holes and all that stuff, all the critical diameters basically on the handles. And okay. uh, I've been prototyping drone frames recently, which involves some carbon fiber, and I was mm. using that tool to to profile out some carbon fiber. Oh no! And I was just like, "Ah, it's fine. Send it." Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then I found out after they were anodized that no, no, it is not fine. Do not send it. <laughs> So other than that, though, it's been a good week. So uh, they wore, does that mean the holes were too small? Funny enough, um, so I was only using the end of that end mill to cut carbon fiber. So it wore out just the end, which right. was just enough to put a gnarly burr on uh, all of those, on the bottom of those holes, and then make the bottom like five thou out of dimension. Okay. because were like, technically workable. Yeah, I was going to say like, you might be able to use a reamer or something and they like wouldn't be anodized in the hole anymore, but yeah, it's there's some far parts. Could I have made them work? Yes. Would they have taken three to four times as long to assemble? And would they have been like significantly right. apart? Yeah. So I just decided to say, throw them all away. Yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you got to like do something where you're like, I don't know what level you guys feel comfortable at, but I feel like, you know, you check at least every one in 10 if you like really think you're dialed down, I still feel like you have to check. Oh, I, I usually do. Um, this was a special case where yeah. I was just being an, a bad machinist, which is, yeah. I don't know. It feels bad because this is a mistake I've made. Haven't made in a long time since I've been in this trade for quite a while. It's something that, uh, just a mistake I shouldn't have made. Yeah. No, it like, it's always, you, you, you like get good at not making those mistakes. And then the one time you make that mistake is like the one time it mattered yep. because you're doing the drone frame yep. thing or whatever. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it's aluminum. So it's really easy to be like, Oh, it's aluminum tools. Don't wear, just don't, don't ever even worry about it. They'll be fine every time. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, it resulted in good. Um, I ended up reworking the entire Prisma process. So yeah, that was that's... faster, more reliable, more accurate, more better. Yeah. That's always Lots nice. Yep. So, uh, how often do you replace like that that three thirty second tool normally? I mean, if it's not if it's only cutting aluminum, never. Because oh, really? it really doesn't have to be. It's just the one time I decided to throw it into carbon fiber, and then yeah. I was just like, "Eh, I'll replace that tool in the morning." Yeah, <laughs> forgot to do that. Because I, I realized uh, I was doing a similar thing with like 
one of my pivot uh actually I think it's actually a slaughtering slotting tool. I never replace it for my Medusa handles. Yeah. Because it, it runs like, I don't know, a minute every pallet. And uh-huh. so after two hundred knives, it's run two hundred minutes. It's like, okay, that's literally nothing. And I've I probably replaced it like one time. Right. And it's just something I'm never looking out for because I never change it. Um, uh-huh. But the tools that break and replace or I replace all the time because it like it's super critical. I'm always on top of that. So it's yeah, always exactly. a tool that I don't think about replacing that yep. really gets me and uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean I don't know. It it resulted in good things in the end. Um yeah. I mean funny it part of it is also because I have my new machinist running them constantly, so I'm not even involved in them anymore. Nice. Um now he's doing a hundred percent check on every part. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So every part we make gets 100% check off the pallet now. Hell yeah. Just for everything moving forward. I, that's yeah, that's the best way to do it, frankly. It is, yeah. To save you. I I check about uh I think every two pallets. U- usually once a day. I'll I'll run my kind of feeling gauges and and hardware through it and just make sure everything's yeah. good to go. Yep. Yeah, so I mean that's the majority of my week. I don't think I have a surge protector coming. That's good. Nice. Yeah. They're cheap. <laughs> I was expecting relatively. Like, well, I mean, I was expecting easily like high four digits. You know, I was yeah. expecting like five to ten thousand dollars for a surge protector. Yeah. Well, I mean for yeah, for what they're what they're doing, it's nothing. Uh, like no. it's a no brainer decision. But no, installed seven hundred and twenty five dollars. Yeah, it's easy. This is like an industrial oh. surge protector. Yeah, it was so cheap that I called them after they after they sent me the bid. I was like, just to make sure, it's this, right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, are you sure it's this? Because it's really cheap. I'm like, well, we can double the price if you want, and then say it's better. <laughs> Guess we'll raise prices then. <laughs> I, mean, right? I mean, in in reality, like, and and this may be a, a question above all our heads, but like. Isn't it just like a big fuse? Like, what what is a surge protector? I honestly don't know. Um, when I talked to my machine tech slash salesman, uh, he was talking about him, and he said this specific phrase, an air gap surge protector. And I have no idea what that means. Huh. I, so I don't know how they work. It's magic. <laughs> and it, and it protects me from lightning and well, a power company. Maybe it like works like a transformer or something where the, the power's driven through magnetic fields instead of like actually going through the wire. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm making stuff up. Don't <laughs> as long as it keeps the magic smoke within the electronics. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no magic smoke and machines stay happy when power gets bad. That's all I care about. <laughs> and supposedly that's what it does after asking like seven times to my poor electrician. Yeah. Well, so, that's... yeah, that's, that's my week in a nutshell. Very I, nice. Yeah. Uh, what have you been doing, Grant? Uh, I've been in iteration prototype hell, uh, and good things. Like I'm, I'm making on a, a new design. Um, this is probably the first real tease of it. I've te- I've been teasing like variants of it for a few months now, but I decided to get above myself uh, and put my pride aside, and I'm going to make an aluminum trainer. Um, but I'm doing it kind of my way and I'm doing some, some different things and it, it's really turning out awesome, but it's uh, a sandwich knife instead of channel, which I have not really done before. Um, and it's aluminum, which I also barely work with at all. So a lot of learning curves, but also 
a lot of good stuff. Like the palette came like first go, the palette is perfect. Uh, I use these quarter inch pens to look at everything, and it's just one, two, three. Everything's literally perfect, um, which is rare for me. <laughs> Usually, I'm working in I'm working in palettes for like a whole day, and then I finally get to make a product or whatever. But okay, um, only broken a couple tools, and and I've gotten good parts off. So. Uh, now it's just refining and iterating. Um, the first prototype is like really light. And so and now I'm deciding to incorporate a weight system, which uh, I was just talking to Dalen about. It's its its own beast because now you have easily removable weights, uh, at least ideally easily removable, which means, you know, looser tolerances, which means rattling. And mm. so now you have to combat rattling. Um, and I'm trying to do everything at least, you know, not cheaply, but but easily, so that this doesn't become a four hundred dollar aluminum knife. I want it to be right. accessible to the masses. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. Um, the the actual flippability is really nice. It feels great in the hand. It's just refining the product. Uh, I haven't done this in nearly a no, probably probably like eight months. I haven't really made a new knife. Yep. Um, I've just been refining stuff from the old knives. So it's it's fun to get back into it. But I I forgot how the best part of my job is prototyping and the worst part of my job is prototyping probably. Yup. How does the, uh, the weights work? Like if you want to change them. So right now what I'm doing, uh, which this may change in the future, but I have a, a spacer and I have two sandwich, uh, two sandwich halves, right? A normal sandwich knife construction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I have these quarter, uh, eighth inch diameter, quarter inch long dowel pins. And the idea is I'm going to, put little holes halfway through the handles and they're going to, the, these dowel pins are going to rest in there. Um, so it requires tight tolerances on all the holes location and diameter wise so that there's not like a ton of wiggle room, but they should, it should be like a very loose slip fit or a very loose press fit, I suppose. Um, and then my spacer is going to back up against all of those dowel pins and, and it's just enough tolerance overlap. I'm hoping that kind of a spring pressure with the spacer contacting them all, we'll kind of just lock them in. Gotcha. Um, it's going to be a pain to assemble, at least right now it is. And so I'm trying to figure that one out. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the idea. Have you thought about like, and that definitely sounds like it'll work. Have you thought about doing like magnets? I, I avoid magnets in battle songs because a lot of the things that you want in a battle song are like rapid clacks and good uh, bouncing. And if, assuming, you know, my blade is steel, a magnet anywhere that near that is going to either dampen or, yeah, it's, it's going to dampen the clacks because it's going to attract the steel and it'll feel wacky. Gotcha. Um, I would love to use magnets and ballast songs. I think it'd be really fun. But unfortunately, anything magnetic near a ballast song is just going to mess it up. Right. I wanted to do a magnetic clash for so long. Me too, dude. I, <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking like maybe you can shove o-rings in there or something yeah so well, there's definitely uh well so dalen you your way system uses like a, a nylon plate right yeah so that's that's kind of what i do um so my weight isn't pins uh it's more of a triangle with a lot of weird radiuses that inherently locate it um hmm. but i also have a, a little 832 nylon set screw in the little weight pocket and that protrudes like 10 or 15 thou above the surface. So when you tighten it all down, it squishes the weight against that. Right. And then that, that, that absorbs any and all rattle. 
Um, there hasn't, I mean, supposedly people run without those and there's no rattle already, but it's just a safety precaution. Yeah. Um, it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do it this way because it's kind of the, the least technical and, and easiest to perform. But if I have to do it, I'll probably make the spacer bigger and then set the pins inside the spacer with some sort of, you know, elastic material backing yep. it up. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious how much this stuff is necessary now thinking about it. You said that some people don't use those screws in yours, Dalen, because, you know, I kept making the mistake prototyping my thing of thinking I need to add extra precautions or mechanisms or whatever. And I didn't just test it and see what happened before trying to add complexity to the design. Right. You know, the, the you got to try to delete the part or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, and in my case, it was kind of a, it was a lucky thing um, because that 832 hole happens to be there for fixturing. And so it was like, oh, okay. I mean, it was like a day before I I started selling them. I was like, wait a minute, I could just put a nylon screw there. Yeah, it's just an easy <laughs> five cent part. Yeah, like, exactly. They're, they're so cheap, I can buy them in the thousands for nothing. Yeah. Um, but simplicity. Your trainer, uh, your trainer is just a, an extra screw that does nothing but add weight, right? Oh yeah, the weight, the the, the quote unquote weight system, in like in like my Prismas, that's just a um that's literally just an extra pivot and screw in the end of the handles. So it yeah. serves as both a weight and as extra hardware. <laughs> no, I, that's good. And I, yeah, I use that. Yep. Although I don't know if it, I don't feel like it adds a ton of weight, a ton of difference. It adds enough to feel it, but, but it, it doesn't add enough to truly change the, like, I guess the dynamic of it. So, well, so I, I noticed with the Prisma that, um, because with the, screw it's like dead nuts neutral um when you take the screw out it's relatively blade bias which if you're good at flipping you can get over but yeah. you notice it um yeah it, it definitely affects like like chaplains are just less sticky or uh fans are just like not as smooth stuff like that yeah i'm always very minutia what do it i'm always biased because i i i solely flip my own products because i don't by right right <laughs> um so i've i've gotten very accustomed to the prisma and i think i mean it was built around my preferences to begin with so it felt natural to me even yeah. prototype. Um, no, it's it's definitely your style because yeah. complete compared to the marin like very different knives but they they do still have that same exact style um and what I flipped to the Serif is like the most refined version of that style yeah i mean funny enough the Serif is the only design that uh that i spent more than like five hours designing (laughs) (laughs) i i get how that is and i'm on that with the with the the new iteration right now is because the medusa was out of necessity the pit viper was also out of necessity right like first product if i well yeah the pit viper first product medusa was i realized how bad the pit viper was and so if i want to keep selling knives i have to make a good product right now that was my marin yeah, it's the same exact deal. And so I've literally been designing the gab since uh, Blade Show East. So in in June, yeah, in June. Um, and it's just been like one iteration after another. Like if, the first sketch that I had at Blade Show is, I mean, it, it's akin to what I have now, but it's totally different. Um, and I'm so yes. excited about that because it's I can finally like feel so confident that this is the right product because I've spent this much time 
I've slept on it. I have not slept yeah. on it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The Seraph was in, was in prototype for like six months. Yeah. From the first, like, like from the first prototype that was actually made until production happened, it was like six months almost. Yeah. I feel like you have to do that with, with a more, the more complicated your design, it's like the waiting period gets exponential. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Cause I, like a sandwich or a, a channel knife, it's, I mean, realistically, one mono part. As long as you make it to the sco- the drawing, it's hard to really go wrong. Um, yeah. But any sort of like, okay, now I have stacking tolerances, sandwich or sandwich, like yep. you have so many more moving parts, and it's not necessarily that it's harder each individually, but conceptualizing it before end product gets that much harder. Right. Um, and if you want to change something, now you have to change, you know, three parts instead of one or, or mm. whatever that may be. Yo. And, and oh. fixtures get harder. And <laughs> so, I was just uh, going to say, speaking of that. <laughs> well, can I, I was going to say, speaking of that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, I was going to move to you after that. Oh, well, well, not just in general. Like, so we were complaining about Fusion 360 the other day uh, or on like the last podcast. Yep. And uh, I decided to like do a fresh start with everything. Because stuff had gotten so like circular and convoluted. Oh no. And so um uh the like model I was using of my scissors, the uh the timeline, uh if you like, you know, at the bottom of Fusion 360, all the different like things you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, not including like joints and stuff like that where you just add hardware from McMaster, like just actual stuff I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh it was like 160 steps. Nice. And uh, yeah. and I made a fresh one that's down to like 80 steps. Yeah. You know? Holy cow. And so like part of that was because it also had a, the like titanium handle uh, version in it. But it, it just stuff got like so screwy because I would like, uh, you know, make slight modifications that I'm not sure if they work. So I kind of like model them as their own thing and don't change the original and like all sorts of like little weird stuff. And things that, like I don't know, it's just it's hard to explain because it's it's not like this is the same model I've used since I started this project. I've I've had to refresh like dozens of times, um, and uh, and this is this is the first time I've done it in probably like a year, and uh, you know usually it was much quicker, um, and I feel like I've got things like super clean and like the number of steps doesn't completely correlate with cleanness because i think yeah making things reliable a lot of it is is like making sketches simpler which can mean more sketches it can mean using like the uh you know chamfer or radius uh feature instead of like adding that into a sketch um and so you know that's how things have gotten simpler even if it's an extra step in the timeline um but i did that like it's so much better how I modeled it. It's hard to explain. I feel like I want to make a video on it, but like actually going through like how I did it would take like six hours. Right. <laughs> um, Cause it took a while just to, to cleanly like go through. And then I had to like put everything, you know, it was like completely fresh. So then I had to put like both them together and just like joint them on top of each other and like see that every feature like overlaps perfectly. Yeah. You had to like and- reference it to your old models to make sure. Yeah, and make uh-huh. sure because like there's all these different tight weird features and tolerances and dimensions for the scissors. Right. And so now it seems all good, it's all clean. And so then what I've started doing now is is fixing the uh the 
the fixtures and the machining because that's where the real problem was is is i wouldn't really change i haven't really changed the uh the model uh, the actual base model in a while but uh with the fixtures i don't know what the deal is but if i would like go into the manufacturer uh, the design environment at all and like touch anything uh do do anything that could update it on like all of my fixtures just stuff gets totally flipped around like Stuff, you know parts just get put upside down uh oh. sketch geometry goes like all over the place and so it, it's like completely unusable it'll just like it'll be you know like pockets for for uh um uh you know pockets for each part but it'll turn into if i cause an update like huge like sweeps like cutting through in random ways yeah uh just like not useful at all That's or like just completely broken and so now I have these clean parts, you know, with the scissors and uh, I made like a fresh folder, bring in fixtures like that are derived, but then I break the link. And so now I know it's the same fixture as in the real world. I, I don't want to worry about remodeling that and accidentally modeling it differently. Um, but now it's just like, you know, just a solid uh, direct modeled feature, whatever it's not linked to anything, and so now I just have to like reassociate all the tool paths and stuff, mm -hmm. and so it's like slow, but now I can like not worry about my fixtures exploding and doing weird stuff, right? And so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> okay, I feel like breaking links is probably a good practice to do. Like once you know the models are solidified, and then you bring them into your you know your your master assembly file for programming and your fixtures i feel like breaking the links is probably the right well thing. i i want to keep the links to the scissors because if i change the scissors uh you know i might want to and that's fine but now nope. those aren't connected to geometry of the fixture so if i change the scissors it won't change the fixture and then obviously it doesn't change the fixture in the real world and if i don't notice that it you know could cause problems and so I think it's more that like once you make a fixture in the real world, uh, that's where you might want to break that link or like make a new file, bring in your parts, and then just in that file, break that link because, you know, you could have like a file that's that's uh, connected to the parts. And so if you do change the parts, it it does change the fixture and you're okay with that, but you just don't want it to happen on accident. And so right. it's like maybe you should make a copy and break the link you know, as long as you're working on, you know, V27 of, of your product or whatever, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. this is always this, you know, no matter what I do, the geometry is not going to change on the fixture because it can't in the real world. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still figuring that out. It's, it's frustrating how you feel like with the fusion, you have to do like weird workarounds to, to get things to be more stable and safe. Yep. Yeah. It's been really unreliable for me recently. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, I I, I, and, and I was having those weird issues that would happen and then trying to fix them would just like hard crash the software. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fusion crashed on me uh, really early this week on like Monday. And when I reopened it, it didn't have any, any um, recovery files available, which was really unfortunate. So we yep. went about our business and then, and then updated the things that we lost. And then it crashed again uh, yesterday and then it had recovery files, but those recovery files were back from the first crash. Oh my gosh. So it actually undid all the stuff that we did in our in our files again. 
So I had to roll nice. all the files back to a different version and then start again. Yeah, it's that's just brutal. Yeah, Fusion's been really weird recently. No, I, I there's like and like I, I hate um trying to like reassign all this uh machining operations. Um it of course puts like a little red flag on it because uh it's like doesn't have any geometry associated yep. with it. But every step of it could have an issue. So the actual tool path can have an issue. And then a layer above that is like the pattern, if you're patterning the same toolpath. But then the actual like original setup thing above that could have issues where you got to make sure you put in the, you know, tell it what model, tell it what the yeah. uh, coordinates are or what stock you're using. Because um, I tend to use uh, solid models for all the stock. Yep. Um, but it's annoying to me that it doesn't tell you which is which. And so I like try to fix each one and then like, it's just showing like everything red <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, which layer could it right. be? Cause there's like 20 tool paths. And so I think all the tool paths are kind of probably fine, but I don't know. So it's like, I don't know. I I'm sure there's better ways to do things. Maybe people are like screaming while listening to this, but I promise <laughs> I try do to do things. Way you know, intelligently yep. in a, in a reliable way. Right. But, uh, yeah, I usually I work top down, uh, for stuff like that. I'll start, I'll, 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 I'll work top down in, in like the folders. So I'll start on the setup and then I'll go to the patterns and then I'll go to the tool paths. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Too. Yeah. There's, um, something that I heard about fusion and this is pretty apparent with how the software works compared to like SolidWorks. Um, I have, menial experience of SolidWorks. Most of it's in Fusion and Inventor. Um, Same. But SolidWorks is meant to make individual parts and then you come together and make yep. assemblies and yeah. everything works mm -hmm. well. Fusion is literally designed so that you never have a separate file. It's designed that every single part is made in the same file and it's all there and all the sketches are in the same file. And to me, that that like I like the idea of that because it gives you the freedom to model multiple parts at the same time within the same file where SolidWorks gets a little bit weird with that. Um, but it really breaks because yep. sometimes like one, just the clutter that you create by making everything in the same file is just absurd. <laughs> and, yep. and trying to go back and like find all the sketches or whatever extrusion you're trying to edit. Like there's tools in, in Fusion to make that somewhat simple, but it just gets so cloudy and convoluted. And and I feel like they they found a middle ground that like nobody asked for. Oh <laughs> uh -huh. well, it's it's funny because I was just having this conversation with my with my machinist because he comes from a SolidWorks background and so do I. Mm -hmm. um, I I use SolidWorks and GibbsCam like exclusively for my CAD CAM for oh, years and years. Yeah. I like Gibbs. <laughs> you like GibbsCam? I do. Maybe it's oh like Stockholm gosh. syndrome. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I like GibbsCam. Um. I just didn't like that it was two separate, two, two separate uh, softwares. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we both came from SolidWorks backgrounds, and uh, we had this conversation, and I said something, and it was uh, Fusion gives you too much power to ruin a file. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a good <laughs> way to put exactly it. What it is? It's you have too much freedom, and so like I'm trying to teach them components and like good practices for components. See, like, I don't just make separate files. I'm like, you could, but Fusion doesn't like that. Yeah, 
it, it literally is like, yeah, Fusion doesn't like this. It's not that yeah. it breaks. It's not that there's a huge logical reason not to. Right. It's that Fusion is picky and you have to play it by the game. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. so, see, like, I feel like I, I've used SolidWorks a fair bit. And uh, I I think it's a lot easier figuring out making these scissors in Fusion than it would have been if I was doing SolidWorks. Just like having everything together and constantly being able to like look at everything all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've learned like fusion, you know, the whole problem I'm talking about is like fusion making everything parametric. And so like I started doing this before you could even put in like derived parts, you had to put in like an entire assembly into a new, you know, if you wanted to move something to a different file, you had to do an entire assembly. And so, you know, if you want to do fixturing and stuff, you'd have to put like a whole entire assembly into, you know, you're just trying to machine one part you know and so the derive thing just being able to put one part is great and like them not expecting you to do like all the fixturing in the same file is great um because you know i have like 15 parts or something to make (laughs) um but you know with multiple operations uh but yeah i think fusion you can make like everything literally parametric but you gotta uh know when not to and so one thing i i realized is is on my previous file uh i you know had this assembly and then i have to make the spacers and so i like have the joint with the blade and handle and i flip around the blades and so now the blades inside the handle and i can save that position and then use that projected geometry of the blade to make a curve that matches the blade for the handle spacers right you know what i'm saying yep but what i realized is I'm literally making the same exact spacers, uh, but I realized I don't want it to do that because if I change the blades, I don't want it to change the spacers. Yo, I w- I don't want it to hit the spacers, and so I have to remember to check that. But I don't want to like change the curve of the blade slightly, <clears throat> and now fixtures that have pockets for making these spacers don't work because I didn't right. notice it changed it. And so now I have identical spacers but I just typed in all the dimensions to make it work exactly the same, but it's not actually linked to anything Yeah, because it, it doesn't need to be, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want it at this point shifting around, you know, unless I really dramatically change the blades, it's, it's, uh, it's not gonna, yeah, exactly. um, uh, have an effect on the spacers that, you know, they can, the spacers can just have a curve that slightly is a not completely perfectly concentric to the curve of the blade or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's fine. Yeah. I've, I've, I've found great success as of probably last couple of months, uh, doing more modeling within my head before I get to modeling yeah. in CAD. <clears throat> yep. And, and it like that kind of sounds silly because it's like, I have this super powerful CAD software that whatever, but literally if you just, model something in your head and you're like, Hey, I think that radius needs to be at two inches instead of using a parametric drawing. That's your, your pro, you know, uh, projecting from what the actual model just put two inches. It'll save you so much time in the, in the later end. Like you said, if it breaks something, okay, the headache that you have to deal with now, um, where if you just kind of model individual parts, like, uh, I forget what I was doing. Uh, Oh, it was the Balasong stands. Um, Uh I, the first time I modeled those, I modeled them entirely three-dimensionally. I assembled them in CAD, yep. and then, you know, I, I off to the races, whatever. 
but the first time I wanted to change it because they were 3D modeled and they weren't just like all on a flat sheet. Like I could put them on a flat sheet, but then that's like five more steps that need to be tracked and that could break. Um, so the second time I modeled it, I just modeled it how it should be flat or how it was getting cut. It is flat. Right. And then I knew that the slots were going to be, you know, eighth inch wide. So I just made them eighth inch wide. I knew that they're going to be positionally an inch from the bottom. So as long as they're all the same, it's all all going to be the same. Um, and I never assembled it. And then I, I cut it all out and then I assembled it in person and it works. Um, but the brilliance behind it is I literally had a single sketch for the entire part. And that was it. Yep. Um, as opposed to a sketch and then a move and then a, you know, capture position and then a extrude and then a project. And then like it was so complicated and it, it's it took this, like this is what we were talking about last time is is just like to be at like the best at modeling, you have to be able to tell the future. So you really have to like, like yeah, model literally. something and then be like, oh, I should have done it in this order. And so this this time remodeling the scissors fresh, I've tried like so many different ways of modeling the same stuff. And so now I know like, okay, for the pins, I'm not going to make the component first. I'm just going to make them solid models and mirror them, then make them individual components, then do the slight differences between the pins inside the component. But then for the handles, I am just going to make new component first, go inside that component, make the hand, you know, like yeah. different parts you have to treat in like different ways to, to make it as like clean and efficient as possible. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I love parametric modeling. I love I love the power and the tools from that that Fusion gives, but my goodness, sometimes <laughs> it's just better to do it the the. It's like the hard way, but it's the easy way. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I love it so much. It's you know, I I'm always saying to people that I, it's just so amazing to me. Despite all the problems, like I use Adobe software too, and Adobe Premiere is always terrible. <laughs> oh my crashing. gosh! Yeah, but uh. You know, just the fact that we can like mess around with this stuff and like try things out so easily. And, you know, because like my first experience trying any 3D modeling was like with polygons, like a blender type thing. Uh, yeah. And oh, like, yeah, being able to just draw a circle and a cylinder uh, and do like revolves and extrudes and stuff was like so mind blowing and amazing to me that uh, I just like always wanted to be doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it also is made by humans, I guess. <laughs> the software. Yo. Yeah. John. Yep. Yes. What have you been up to? Have you made a knife yet? Uh, no. My week was a little crazy. Was I went it? to IMTS on Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh, you did? Okay. You did? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I also didn't post anything about it on social I, because. I, yeah. If, uh, huh. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, Busy. I was so like desperate for burnout four years to go. Social. Sorry, you say, David? I said I was so desperate for four years to go, and then I decided that I just don't think that it would it would be fun. But like that's all I would get out of it. Probably is is fun. Uh, yeah, that's what I got out of it. And I wanted to meet people that like I've become friends with in the last four years that right. you know put a face to a name. Yeah, and that's what I got out of it. So it was really cool. Um, there was like a big Insta Machinist hangout at the Kern yeah. booth. That was really nice. cool. Um, I looked at some Swiss lathes for the future. And nice. the future, I mean like a year or two. Okay. But, oh, wow. So yeah. if you were to buy one right now, what would you get? Uh, I'd buy a Citizen, but Citizen, probably yeah. used one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's literally only because I've heard it's just what people say Citizen's like yep. real good kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's I feel just, like I yeah, heard the opposite. Really? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I like want to like Citizen because I, I don't know. I just think it's a cool name. I guess I don't know. They make watches, <laughs> yep. but uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I thought I thought that the uh, people liked all sorts of other brands like I don't know Star or uh, Tornos. You know, all of yeah, them. There, are there's quite a few actually. Yeah, like I've um, ran a bunch of Citizen Swiss Lades. Um, the machines themselves are fantastic. Sagami yeah. maybe how old the technology is, is horrible. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, that it might be uh, the operating system, or um, you know what I'm saying, the controller. Are you talking about old as in, like, control stuff? like uh, Phoenix, specific- basically? Yeah, specifically how you have to program them, which is by hand. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, so that's another thing for me, is I would not be programming them by hand, so it's like looking at software as well, because Fusion you're, does not post no, uh, Swiss code out of the box. You have two options, and they're both insanely expensive. Yep. Yeah. There's Partmaker, and there's Esprit. Yeah. So um, also, Sugami has a, if you buy a machine, they have like a really dumbed-down basic uh, software, but it actually puts out proper Swiss G code. Okay. Um, so like programming them by hand is honestly not difficult unless you're doing like weird five axis stuff yeah uh they're really short programs usually yeah this would be like i would probably buy used because uh i don't know they seem pretty cheap used because they're not like a cool machine i guess for most people yep (laughs) so the demand is kind of low for them it's like you know surface grinder is kind of the same arena i think i need to buy uh, one yeah i mean you know shops that run them are usually no one's like, um, I guess if I think of somebody running a Swiss lathe, I usually think of somebody actually knowing how to run something and they run <laughs> production. So I would imagine it wasn't abused as much and they're right. meant to run kind of thing. Obviously that's like case by case. Yeah. Um, what would yeah, you make and, on it? Uh, I want to do the knife pivots and then mm-hmm. the handle screws are annoying me now with suppliers <laughs> and stuff. Yep. Right. And just stuff like that. It yeah. would be much better than trying to do it on like a 30 horsepower fixed head stock lathe. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so IMTS was cool. And then I got back and then I've been, I'm still working on the fixtures, the new stuff. And then I was ordering titanium today. That titanium is a pain to source. It is. I discovered. I, f- I found a good source and I've stuck with them for the entire time I've been doing this. Gotcha. Yeah. Who, who do you guys use? um who did i just buy from today <laughs> usually ebay so oh, really? I, oh. I need to find a real like I'll, consistent supplier I, i'll refer you to someone yeah uh, i use performance titanium group okay performance titanium group okay yeah. i think i sent them an email yesterday okay i'll reach out to my guy and and tell him to reach out to you i've referred quite a few people to him already yeah, so yeah. I, I use a TMS, and it, I've had nothing but great experiences. Really? Gotcha. Yeah. I, I might have used them once, but I've, I've not done that many orders of titanium. Yeah. TMS always confuses me. What do you mean? I've never looked into them truly, but a lot of people who make valleys seem to use TMS. But I always thought TMS was like a an off-cut surplus vendor or something. Are they not? So oh, that's... They have... Sorry. They have an online store where they oh, yeah. sell their offcuts, um, but but you can email them and buy direct and buy yeah, to size yeah. and everything. So okay. oh, interesting. I mean, that's what I yeah. noticed. If you look up titanium online, it's always like weird sizes, and, and that's what I realized is like like everything that's just like an online website is just offcuts. It seems like for titanium, you have to have some kind of more direct communication if you want 
like actual yep. specific pieces in big orders. Yeah, you have to find a good company and then make a good relationship. Yeah, oh, that's, that's like, huge. Because yeah. like Tiger Titanium or something like that is like the same thing. I think I've it's heard just, of them. It's just like weird sizes. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's who I ordered through this afternoon, actually, and I called them. Okay. Yeah, and I actually asked them, I was like, so listen, because what I wanted was for the backspacers was like a quarter inch thick mm-hmm. and then one inch wide. So I feel like that should be a pretty standard type size. But ti- like I said, titanium is kind of weird. Uh, and he was like, I'm actually out of that, even though it shows it on the website. But he's like, I have three eights. And then I asked mm-hmm. him about how he goes about supply. And then he's like, bar stock is usually like essentially aerospace surplus. But then sheet and plate is like they actually just make it and sell it kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. So it's usually whatever the surplus is around the world kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And he's like. Sometimes I have stuff that sits on the shelf for 20 years and sometimes it sits yeah. on the shelf for like a week kind of right. thing. So Yeah, it seems titanium only comes in round bar stock or plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Like and so, so I was making the, the backspacers and the clips out of round bar, one inch yep. round bar actually. And because the new palettes, I'm like trying to do stuff a little more consistent or like reliable. Right. So I'm switching to the clips are still going to be round bar just because they are shaped really weird and round bar is significantly cheaper in yeah uh i don't know it's just cheaper if you like size it comparably it to a, it's one cup versus two to three yeah it's just hard to kind of fixture but it yeah. works good for the clips so round bar still for the clips and then i'm actually doing like actual rectangular bar for the backspacers but okay. yeah it should be it should be good uh yeah that's kind of it i guess just you know how you know fixture designing goes it takes yeah, half a day does. and then half a day to make all the silly clamps and yep. rails and stuff i hate making claim for fixtures yeah i need to get a nice uh self-centering vice for the fourth axis so i can tab stuff off but that'd be really nice. money but i really <laughs> considered buying a, a another <laughs> lang piece a self-centering <laughs> i go to their booth i'm like listen you guys got any trade show deals they're like not really because yep. Our stuff's so good, we don't need right. to discount it. <laughs> yep, that makes Can sense. you get trade show deals on like actual machines, like say like the floor models at the Oh show? yes. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Somebody oh, bought yeah, the floor I heard model, that's what current floor model there actually. Really? Yeah. Especially the overseas guys, because they don't want to ship it back. Fair. Yep. Yeah, they'll they actually they'll do stuff like the work holding guys will sell their stuff on sometimes like the last day or they'll like throw uh-huh. it on the website or you got to know the salespeople. Okay. But sometimes if like they get scratched or whatever on the, sh- on the floor, uh-huh. they don't want to sell them. So they sell them as like, you Makes know, sense. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you since you're mm-hmm. at IMTS. Yeah. Tell me about the sheep. The sheep. sheep. Yes. Yes. Do- I have a video of the sheep. Do you? What? What is that you're, company? You're, <laughs> I don't know what the company is. You're talking about the, I cannot believe how popular that thing was because I just walked by it and I was like, oh, look, sheep. Yeah. Um, what? It's just a, you're talking about the the pressure sensor thing. Yeah, that was is that all, sheep. yeah. Is that all it was? Yeah, that's literally it was an automation. Okay. Um, I think it was an automation loading cell or something. Oh. And they were just demonstrating pressure sensors and how they got gotcha. you. Was it a real away. sheep? No, 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 no. They're just little, little squishies. Like, yeah, foam oh. sheep or something like little. Hand oh, I think sheep. I saw those ones. Yeah, yeah. And it, I cannot believe they were so popular because we were like leaving there, and this group of people was like, "Oh my god, are the sheep down there?" And I was like, "What is going on?" 
So I thought it was like an Arbor Press com- or like a hydraulic press company or something. That's what it was. They were it was their Arbor Presses. It was um like like uh, automated pressing equipment. Yep. It was like a Cartesian uh, Arbor Press, and basically they could do like load sensing. And I thought it was super weird because it was right? like extruded aluminum or um what do you call it eighty sixty yeah what? yeah like eighty sixty or sixty twenty or whatever. Yeah, and it yep. was an it was attached like a you know like a three D printer style Cartesian robot, and and I was like, I can't imagine you being able to press any tonnage with this thing. Yeah, those right. aren't like the most durable at all. No. <laughs> yeah, but I don't uh, remember what the tonnage amount was, but I was okay. like, I mean the the pressure sensing aspect of it seems to be impressive. Yeah, so you would you would use one of these if you were like, oh, I have a bunch of uh, I don't know, like keen certs or whatever pressing. I don't know yeah. if those get pressed in, but okay. <laughs> let's just say for instance, and then you'd have a robot do it for you instead right. of using yeah. yeah. five okay. hours doing it kind of thing. So this isn't like punching and, and bending. This is no, just like it's like a, it's literally like a you know a hydraulic arbor press that okay. is yep. a robot essentially. Yep. Gotcha. I just yeah, there was there was obviously like a ton of cool stuff, but yeah, you get the. Uh, was know. there stuff that you load. think like you told us about that spin uh blaster automated blasting thing or whatever last week was there any any stuff that like you feel like we might not know about that's cool for knife making i don't think we got over to the finishing uh building if you will because it's like three it's or four buildings oh, yeah. That, yeah. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. massive um so I didn't go over there, but I did want to ask you guys if you ended up buying anything like that or like totally forgot about it. Cause I actually emailed a supplier on Alibaba <laughs> about it. And I was like, Hey, if I order three of these, how much are they for the, for the blasting cabinets? Yeah. But these are like in the industrial level ones. Okay. So the one you sent isn't very industrial level. I would say, well, so I would say for our volume, it probably works. But the okay. next step up is like an actual dust filtration slash. Nice. Okay. Uh, I still have that link pulled up and I'm very tempted to buy it still. Yeah. Um, so this. I still this, haven't looked at like a video of how it works or anything. Yeah. This uh, is like a Chinese supplier. You know how it is. Like they're a manufacturer essentially. And they want, that was like 30, like 3000 something for an industrial. And I would imagine if you paid. A branded one, you're probably looking at like double. Okay. Right. I would spend upwards of like seven to eight thousand dollars if it comes with its own HVAC system built in. Yeah. Um, I'll mm-hmm. send you guys the link for the one I was looking at, but there's a ton of stuff like that on Alibaba. That, okay. <laughs> that's funny. That's, it's totally a thing. The only problem sometimes is they will not ship you something if you want like one X quantity. Yeah. Which is totally understandable. Right, because uh, they're hoping you buy it and then brand it is what they want, kind of thing. Right. Which is what? If, what if it's four X quantity? How do how do they ship that way? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna get one. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'd be really nice to bring blasting back to my process. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how like a lot of a a lot of products are. People don't really realize. Uh huh. Um, um, yeah. on, on that note, I did get a quote from that uh, cyclone whatever because okay. I was. Zeke Zeke was blasting for like I don't know half a day or something. And he was Yo. like, "And how much is that blaster?" And I was like, <laughs> "You know what?" So it, it is. I think on the website is is accurate. It's uh seventeen hundred dollars and and three hundred dollar freight. So okay, yeah. two grand, two grand, and I mean for me, it's probably going to happen next week. Okay, um, so can you explain one, more how it works to me? Well, so it 
it's, it's literally just a like a rotating bowl with blasting nozzles staged. And so okay. all it is is rotating your part, tumbling your part, and blasting in you know a cone area. So the idea is after 30 minutes, it's coated the entire part. Yep, and it looks um, just like a standard blasting cabinet, just with a rotating bowl inside of it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I saw. I was looking at in the chat in Discord. If you want to take a look at it, this is the one I got a quote on. See, I would be a little bit worried. Like, you know, depending on the part you have, you get different results or something. And so you'd want like maybe to send them a sample to test it out for you before you buy it, or you have to like be careful and maybe mask off different things. Like you don't want your your pivot holes being blasted for thirty minutes. Well, so I don't know. for me, bead blasting, uh, I don't care because most pivots were polishing out afterwards. Um, and you, you could do something. I, I, it was one of the uh, the Balsong Guild guys who, who made, or maybe it was NRB, I can't remember. He made little blasting caps out like 3D printed with washers or with uh, O-rings or something. to keep. I designed those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. So yep. they, you could do something like that where it's just a cap that mm-hmm. you put over the pivots or whatever area, um, just like you would in tumbling if you didn't want the part tumble yeah. or a area tumbled. Yeah. I machined some out of just some like 316 stainless and put threads in it. So they just screw together through the pivots and they oh, will for when I blast. Is that what you did for your acid wash? Uh, no, not for the acid wash. I used vinyl stickers. Um, oh, okay. For... I need, I need to get some of those. Yeah. I'm, I'm still doing a nail polish and it's a pain in the butt. Use Sharpie. <laughs> Sharpie's a lot easier. Sharpie works. It I does. thought it was too thin. Nope, it works perfectly. Oh my god. Okay, uh-huh. I, I will be doing that then. Yep. Zeke's gonna get mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> Ze- was, uh, we've been playing around with anodizing, and I showed Zeke kind of all the tricks, at least mm-hmm. all the tricks that I know to make like party anos and, and yep. fun stuff like that. And and I just gave him a bottle of nail polish, and he's been doing that like for the past couple days. And, it, and he's gotten he's gone through a bottle of nail polish, like <laughs> how much he's been nail polishing and acetone right. and everything. <laughs> I actually stopped doing splatter anos or using nail polish on anything after I purchased really bad nail polish and I literally had to blast it off. Oh, wow. Oh it sat for two days. That was a really good nail polish. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> normally acetone gets rid of nail polish like really easily. Right. So yeah. I had a little I had a little a little shake bottle of acetone that I would just put the parts in and let them sit for like half an hour. They come out. And there's no more acetone on them. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. more nail polish on them. Well, well my, my thing I was uh, I didn't I, when I was like when I've messed with that stuff, I don't I didn't mask things properly. And so like ah. trying to scrub it out of holes. Uh huh. And I, yeah, you know, yep. the stuff I have is like some of those holes are only like a hundred thousandths wide. Yep. So, yep. So, yeah, if you just soak it in acetone, it works really well. But whatever nail polish I purchased for the second round, uh, acetone just turned it into like a rubber. Wow. <laughs> so awful. it sat in acetone for two days and it was just like it was still just rubber and adhered to my parts so I had to blast them like five times to get it off entirely wow. and it put a bad taste in my mouth so I just never touched nail polish again that's totally fair I, I would love to avoid using nail polish because it, it's not it is not a fun thing and acetone nope. is certainly like I mean it's carcinogenic like it's not a fun chemical no, to have it smells bad yeah um, tastes worse. I, I literally I came in uh, my shop isn't that like wide or long, but it, it's like 20 feet to the door yep. comp- where, where Rage and Zeke were doing all this. I came <laughs> in at 10 o'clock. They, they've been doing it since six. And I could, I got a whiff of it strong enough that I was like, oh God, at the door. And they just are sitting there huffing these fumes. I was like, guys, oh, God. 
get out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, guys, get out. Let's wait. open the door. Turn on a fan. Like, geez. yeah. Oh lord, that's that stuff worries me. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I have really tall ceilings, so it's it's like I know it's enough space that it can kind of get diluted. But yeah, I guess some not... stuff's like heavier than air, though. I don't know how the fumes weigh on right. stone. Yeah, I mean, it, like, yeah, it's not good fumes. Like, it, I I've genuinely felt sick after. I used to do a lot of like AVS smoothing. Uh, and I using a lot of acetone, I would literally wake up like dead in yep. the morning because I, I was doing some weird stuff and it, it's not a good chemical. No, it's it's um, it's bad. But yeah, no, I, I'll try the Sharpie and I'm I wonder if the Sharpie works for like anodizing. I uh, haven't fully tested that yet, but I feel like it might. Well, because anodizing is a bit different. It's not just on the surface. It's it's through the part yep. to a degree. I think I tried once in it and I had mixed results, but it's been a long time. I, you yeah. guys have uh, it works for titanium, but I don't know about aluminum. Okay, well, oh. it works for titanium, so I'll, then there we go. You guys have done like acid etched plates, right? Yeah, I actually yeah. did a big batch of them. Or, I did like ten or, or fifteen ten. this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into my method because one of yep. my one of my main like early customers. I always do custom specials for him, and I'm working on one of his right now. Nice. So, so do you guys just like you just dump it in acid, and then like do you like tumble it again to give it that kind of look for, for like a minute? Yeah, so I I finally dialed in acid wash thanks to a, like I mean it, entirely thanks to XK knives. Um, he walked me through all the all the process. Um, so ferric chloride three to one solution, three parts water, one part ferric. Okay. Um, and from there, I use uh, I was recommended to purchase uh, just a clear vinyl like 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 rolls, and then get a three eighths hole punch and just punch out stickers oh um, to, so to mask those. stuff yeah yep yeah. so i use those to mask the pivot areas um other than that i just i let it you know clean it soak it in the ferric for like about three minutes pull it out see if it's even if not give it a little scrub put it back in and is that what you that, do john i don't have much experience with it because every time i would do it it would actually etch into the mill lines even though it was tumbled and didn't look like it had mill lines so i don't know if that was like a 20 cv thing only Interesting. But I'm gonna have to try it on, yep. on Magnica, and I hope it doesn't do that. But nice. yeah, yep. it would usually just frustrate me because I wanted. That's like, how it was for me. It would just frustrate me over and over, and then I finally got it dialed for I don't know why or, yeah. or how, but now it works great. That uh, uh, one one key that you touched is the uh, dilution of the ferric chloride is yes. pretty crucial. It is, uh, and it has to be in distilled water. Yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. If you uh, dilute it more, maybe you think you. You'd have less issues with the uh, mill lines, maybe? I don't know. I just, what I was doing, I get like a really nice dark finish, and I just wish it would not do what it does to the mill lines. Um, but maybe it's too strong. So maybe that's why. Yeah. When was the last time you did it? Uh, it's been like three months, and I haven't tried it on Magna Cut. So maybe it has something to do with the actual structure of the stainless okay well also i don't know if your milling has improved oh um i would say it has but if they look good off I the machine know. for what i've seen but yeah they're definitely better than they were um when i used to try it but it's still like you know there's still lines essentially okay yeah yeah you, you can do it after tumble and then tumble it again for the stone wash look i guess maybe that would help yeah, it's like it's weird because you would tumble and get a nice smooth finish, and mm-hmm. it would still show up. Okay, yeah. just like if you were to polish a tumbled blade, it'll 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 reshow those lines. 
Yeah. 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 I don't know. It requires more experimenting, I guess. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Speaking of Magnica, you heat treat treat that in-house? Yep. And you get good results? Oh, yeah. It's... uh, Would you mind sharing how you do it? (laughs) Oh, let's see. Because I've only done it, I've only heat treated it twice. Okay. I I actually have to look at the data sheet every time I do it. (laughs) Okay. Because I looked up a data sheet for Magnica, and I followed it to a T you know, mm-hmm. minus the cryo. And yep. it came out at like 30 Rockwell. What? Really? Are you Whoa. double? I've heard double tempering is like super important too. Yep, and that was a double temper. Was it, th- I think 350 was the one I did last, but people are like, hey, can you do 63 to 64 Rockwell? And I'm like, I don't have any way to test that, but right? I can I'm, try it right now. I'm very glad that Valley people uh, understand that they drop their blades all the time so I can make them softer. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, please tell me that the Seraph V2 is going to be a Magna Cut. I mean, if I can heat treat it, maybe, and then find a supplier for it. It doesn't need to be Magna Cut. S35 is such a good steel already, but... It is, but Magna Cut, like, it, it has the name behind it. Like, S35 is good, but Magna Cut, for some reason, sells better. It's I'm because... not buying your trainer, Grant, unless it has a Magna Cut blade. It's, right? it's new. <laughs> it's just because it's new. It's, it's just hyped right now. Yeah. Give it a couple uh, years, and... It'll just be slightly better than S35, probably. Yeah. On that note, I w- so I'm making the trainer, and I'm planning on using 440C for the blade. Okay. I mean, the, the trainer blade, whatever. Yep. Um, and I felt bad because my previous trainers were made out of S35, <laughs> uh, and which is totally overkill. There's yep. literally no reason to use If anything, S35. it's possibly a bad thing. Because like, mine were AEBL and S35 in the past, too. Yeah, it's it's possibly worse. Like you don't get like the entire reason to use the super steel is for edge retention. Um, the the actual strength is relatively comparable, and so I want to use four forty C. But like, I don't know. I felt bad because everyone was so impressed that my and and I think Dalen, you had this too. Is that because we were using super steels for our trainer blades? They're like, oh my god, this is awesome. I had the opposite where it was oh, really? really a bad thing, but I had like one person tell me I was stupid for using a super steel for my, for my trainer blade. <laughs> really? And ignore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. That's how that went. <laughs> I mean, even with All the I positive had, stuff, know. people will say crazy stuff and be like super happy. And then they're also not the person who bought it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I'm so, actually, so, you know, you got to make sure you connect what people want with people who are actually the customers. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, today I forgot about it because it was so, so recent. I passed one of the biggest milestones a maker can pass. Ooh, what'd you pass? Oh, yeah! Somebody got a tattoo of my Medusa on their arm. And it looks awesome. <laughs> wow. A permanent tattoo of one of my knives. That's insane. That's crazy. I literally thought I, would, like, I wouldn't see the day. Right? I was, I was like, oh, it would be cool if it happens, but like, nah, it's never yeah. going to happen. I've had a couple people say they want to get a Marin tattoo, but they've never done it yet. Yeah. That's... I, I, it it made it made my week absolutely. I was I woke up, checked my stories, and I was like, "You're kidding me!" Like, Yo, that's funny. That's so cool. And he didn't actually have one. He was just hoping it bait you into giving him one. <laughs> if he doesn't, I would have <laughs> sent him one. Okay. I, I think he does. Um, but I, I absolutely like that. That warrants some special treatment. I, I'm trying to figure out like what I'm actually going to do about it. Right. Um, he hasn't responded to my DM yet, or at least I haven't checked. Yep. It's like that That's is just so cool. So cool. Like right. if you're willing to get a permanent tattoo of my knife, like not only is it the biggest compliment I think I can possibly receive, but yep. like yeah, you're gonna get some some free stuff. Well, it's just crazy to think about <laughs> yeah, too. That's like wild. If, if someone got a tattoo of one of my things on on them, 
like I just look at myself as some stupid idiot who's in a shop that happens to somehow make some, you know, a knife. Right. Like I, I still have huge imposter syndrome when it's like, yeah, I'm just making knives and who knows if they're good. Right. Uh, um, so that like, it, it's cool. It's so cool. Yep. I sweat bullets every time I ship out all my, all my drop knives like to this day. Oh yeah. Same. I, I told Zeke cause I, I for, for the past, uh, every Medusa drop, I've, I've had at least one warranty comeback for better, for worse, mm. for tiny issue or not. Some, some issues it was like, uh, tuning was bad. It comes in and I'm like, this tuning is great. And, and all we did is tighten the pivots, like another eighth of a turn. Um, and it like, it got more rigid and whatever I sent it back and they're like, Oh, it was great. Perfect. And I was like, okay. Uh, you know, totally fine. But it's always something. It's always one thing or another. And I told Zeke, and I was like, look, this last drop, we have the knives in the shop to make sure that every knife that goes out the door is perfect. I don't want a warranty to come back. And, and I have not had a warranty come back from the last drop. And I was like, okay, Hell yeah. if we can do it that drop, we can do it every drop. And now my level of quality is like we're up a notch. Um, nice. And it's, it is free because literally every drop I'm, I'm like terrified. Oh, God, I can't wait. You know, I'm getting, I'm going to get those emails again, but oh, there's something wrong or whatever. But l- luckily, like we always, you know, fix them quick and, and fix them right. But it's, it's still never what you want to see. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would like to get to that point. <laughs> I, uh, that's my biggest fear is just is just disappointing people and and uh, well, having to take like all of the ones I make back or something. That that's the thing that really surprised me. And um, Dale and John, you might you guys might be able to have your own experience with this, but even the knives that I've royally messed up on and like should never have even left the shop, the guys are always just excited to have it back. Like I, I have never had a customer who was wanting a warranty, just angry with me. And then when I send it back, he's like, you should have done it right. The first time I've never had that. Right. They're always so gracious and they're always so thankful whenever you fix it. And they're like, Oh, thank I can't, I can't believe you fixed it. This is awesome. Thank you so much. Like, like it's just nothing but good things. Um, I mean, it's been the same. Yep. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's daunting to like have a a mistake out there and whatever, but it's, I've never had a bad treatment about it. Uh, Right. not as bad as a thing you might be terrified of. Cause I was, I'm, I am to this day still terrified, but like every experience is always good. That, that's why I hope that I like sell to like people who've watched my videos at least for a while at first. Right. Cause I, I think then they would be like, Oh, this is a real person. And clearly he wants like to do a good job. Whereas like if they really blow up and I'm making lots of them, some people are just going to buy them cause they saw someone else had them or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, they, they think that I'm, spider co or something and (laughs) they could just say whatever they want you know you know get get whatever they want but uh i'm just one guy yeah you know i I think people understand and especially like early days literally like months into starting my business i people would treat me different because i think especially my logo and like fellowship blades it, it was a very like big company move to to kind of remove my face from it and then people were texting me like, Hey, when are y'all going to drop and stuff? And I realized yeah. that like, they didn't know I was just a dude in a, in a shop yep. with one mill yep. and, and working my butt off every day. And so I would always respond to text or emails or whatever, just like, Oh, it's me. Like, it's just me, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it this you know, Tuesday or whatever. Yep. Um, and as soon as they realize that like, it's just me or one guy, it's like, Oh, that's, there's a whole myriad of difference of perspective that, that they immediately tone shifted. 
Um, and even even now, it's like I have one full time employee and one intern, and it's just us. Like it's just two of us. Like you know, and I'm probably always going to say that. Maybe even until I have like 20 employees, but it to me, it's still very personal. And as soon as, as long as you communicate that, um, that like we are just people. We we don't have an HR department. We don't have a customer service department. Like it's just it's Zeke and I. You know, um, people understand. I think. Yeah. Yep. Should we start wrapping up? Yeah, let's call it here. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, bye now. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>